Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone? How we doing? So sorry about the delay. I know it's about 27 minutes late, but listen, technology can be a real pain sometimes, and that's what happened. I got, if you know what the Mac is, you get the little spinning circle with the rainbow. I call it the rainbow death. That was what I got, the the rainbow wheel of death. That's what I got. I just got kept getting it getting it. I finally get in, so we finally get a show. Boy, oh boy, do we have a good one for you. I did not want to miss out. I had to bring it to you. We're talking about the first weekend of March Madness. We're talking World Baseball Classic, the WBC. And then to finish it off, we're going to maybe take a step and look into the future for the MLB and a little bit into the NBA because the NBA is wrapping up as well. But first, like I said, we got to talk about the first weekend of March Madness of that NCAA tournament. Did we get a great one? And we... Figured we would. This year has been a crazy one. And so that's what we're going to start with, all right? Let's start with this. We're going to start in the South region, the one where Alabama's number one. They took on uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. We talked about it. I said they were going to win, and they did in commanding fashion. 96-75, probably a little bit closer than people thought, but it was still a 21-point win for the Crimson Tide. Then, moving on to the Maryland versus West Virginia, the 8-9 matchup. I thought West Virginia was going to win. I just thought West Virginia was the more balanced team. And remember, Maryland doesn't play well on the road. Well, guess what? Maryland pulls it off 67-65 over the Mountaineers, and they got to move on to play Alabama. Now, I'll get into the second game in a minute. We're going to move on down. 5-12 matchup. This one was, I think, one of the most popular upsets the 12-5 obviously but San Diego State pulls it out 63-57 and it felt like Charles the college of Charleston never really got into a groove never played well and they lose by they lose by six they couldn't hit the the threes a little bit and I I don't want to take anything away from their season listen there's something about this tournament you have a love-hate relationship and I'll get into it a little bit more as this uh, episode goes on it's just you love and hate it because your team is if your team's in it you're going to be stressing the whole time but if your team has one bad day it could be over and that's what happened with the college of charleston they had one bad day and they didn't perform at their best and if they perform at their best they might have a shot at the upset instead they lose by six and the aztecs of san diego state move on now this this next game was crazy and it was one of the first games to happen in the tournament it was the number four virginia virginia versus Furman. listen 13 Furman beats the four Virginia. And the biggest, well, the score was 68-67. Crazy game. If you don't know, they were, uh, Virginia was up by, obviously, they were up by two. And they had the ball. Clark gets the ball, gets put in a corner. They have a timeout. They don't use the timeout. He chucks the ball like it's 500. You know, like when you used to play the game 500 with the football or the baseball. And they would be like, hey, 100, 200, if you catch it. It felt like that kind of game. One of the Furman players brings it down passes it up to court guys wide open for the three hits the three and now you're 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 a campus hero man your team is a campus hero that's how it is when that is how it is it was uh jp pegos who hit the three for Furman. it was just it was a shocking way to end the season if you're happy i had i had that upset called i just didn't think virginia was that good of a team like i said i thought virginia should have been the five and i would have seen san diego state as the four instead they had it flipped and guess what virginia still loses and the thing is is virginia still has not won a game since they had the title run and you, you think about it virginia loses to umbc in 2018 as the one seed 
And then in 2019, they won 2019. They haven't won a single tournament game. So they've got to figure it out once it gets to tournament play. And it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Moving on to 6 versus 11, which was a really good game. It was Crane versus NC State. Crane pulls it out by 9 points, 72-63. It was a very, it was a close game at, at points, but Crane is just so deep. They can they can shoot the ball, they can spread you out, and they play great defense, and that's, that's why they move on. Baylor versus UCSB, the 3 versus 14. Baylor pulled, I mean, pulled away late. It was a closer game than the score says. It was 74-56, but Baylor, they showed what their uh, backcourt can do with their guards. They played very well, and that's why they moved on. Then you have the 7-10 matchup, which I thought was going to be such a high-scoring game, and it turned out not to be because Utah State decided to forget, forget how to shoot the basketball, and they could not shoot from three at all whatsoever, and that's what happens when you can't shoot the three. They were 4 of 24 from deep, so... Not a very good outing by them with their three-point shooting like we're used to seeing. And even Ashworth, their big, big superstar for them that can shoot the three lights out was two of ten shooting the three. So that's what I mean. You have one bad day and your your season's over. So, And unlike what Utah State had a problem with, Missouri, on the other hand, had their top performers play. You had Kobe Brown with 19 and Des Moines Hodge with 23. <coughs> Excuse me, got a cough right there. Ugh. But Kobe Brown had 19, Des Moines Hodge had 23, and, and a point in the second half, there was a Kobe Brown, Kobe Brown run that was just 12-0 himself, where he scored the last 12 points in the game for the teams, and that's when they really pulled away. Missouri did. Nick Honor hit a clutch shot with the late in the shot clock. And the big thing is, is Missouri finally gets the monkey off their, their shoulder. They win their first tournament game since 2010. They move on to the round of 32, and they were going to, I think most of us thought they were going to face Arizona. Well, Arizona had different thoughts and said, hey, let me lose to Princeton because the number two seed Arizona lost to the 15th seed Princeton Tigers. It was a final score of 59-55. Princeton played a very good game. And if you didn't know, Princeton plays this slow style of offense. They play this very good defense. And it's just like they take you out of your own rhythm. And that's what they did with Arizona. And that's why it was such a weird, weird game for it because you never th- thought you would see it happen. And Arizona started checking shots, checking up shots you never seen, and and it, it showed. I mean, it was so weird how well Princeton came prepared in the second half. And I mean, it wasn't like they shot both of them didn't shoot the ball. Like when you see an upset like this, usually one team, the 15 seed has to play out of their mind. They didn't. I mean. Princeton shot 4 of 25. Arizona shot 3 of 16, both from behind the arc. I mean, 26 of 64 was Princeton's shooting. They shot the ball 40%. Arizona shot it better, 42%. And they still found a way to win when Princeton did. It's it's crazy how that works. And, I mean, the largest lead for Princeton is the final score, 59-55. They had a four-point lead. Arizona was up by 12 at one point, folks. Arizona was up by 12. And now Arizona's got to have a conversation because let's think about this, guys. Arizona has now lost to a 12, a 13, a 14, and a 15 seed. I mean, sooner or later, they're going to lose to a 16 seed at this point. So, if they if they ever get to a one seed. So, they've got to find a way to beat the double-digit seed, double-digit seeds. It's like, I saw I saw a meme. It was like, when Arizona sees a double-digit seed against them, I'm in danger. <laughs> yeah, you're in danger, Arizona. That's for sure. So, moving on to the round of 32 in the South. Alabama defeated Maryland. It was a 22-point win for Maryland. 
excuse me, 22-point win for Alabama. Crimson Tide move on to the Sweet 16. San Diego State beats Furman, 75-52, 23-point lead win for them. So you have a 22- and a 23-point win in both those games. Then you move on to Crane versus Baylor. Crane, quote-unquote, pulls off the upset. I thought Crane was the better team. I picked them to get to the Sweet 16 in my brackets. Crane wins 85-76, a 9-point win. And then here, oh boy, here is this one. Princeton, the 15 seed, defeats the 7 seeded Missouri Tigers 78-63, a 15-point win for the Princeton Tigers. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because I want to get to the other side of this bracket and all this, but Missouri finished the season 25-10. and Yes, they got beat by 15 by Princeton, but really the score, in a sense, kind of got out of hand at the end because Missouri started chucking up shots. And here's the thing. Missouri still had a good season. I know, and I've talked to a lot of my buddies. Probably right after the game, we were really bummed. Like, we we had a really good opportunity right here to get to the Sweet 16 and get maybe farther than that, play Crane in Louisville. But it didn't happen. But the thing is, is this. Missouri still had a great season. Dennis Gates' first season went phenomenal for them as their head coach. And, yeah, you're losing to Moy Hodge. You're losing uh, uh, Drake Golston, and you're also losing uh, Drake O'Million. So you're losing three players and possibly Kobe Brown. Kobe Brown is still up in the air what he's going to do, and that, that's totally fine. We'll figure it, He'll be figured out. But for Dennis Case to do this in his first season was a success. No one thought Missouri was going to get to the NCAA tournament. We were They were projected 11th in the SEC. They got the double bye for the first time ever while being in the SEC. They got to the semifinals for the first time in the SEC uh, tournament. So there was a lot of goodness and greatness in this season. So don't let this one blunder that really hurt the Tigers really hurt it. Listen, it's a it's a tournament. Like I said, it's a love-hate relationship. Here's the thing. Princeton was, was the best team that weekend. When I say that, listen... Princeton's not a better team than Arizona or Missouri, for that matter. They were just a better team that weekend. You think about that. Now, and it helped Princeton because they got to play pretty much back-to-back games. Like, now for Crane, you get a whole week to prepare for them. Princeton takes you out of your game, and that's what they did to Missouri. And Princeton was shooting lights out against Missouri from deep. Like I said, they shot four, they made four three-pointers against Arizona, right? They go in against Missouri and hit 12. So, that's the thing. Like everything that could go right for Princeton went right, and whatever could go wrong for Missouri pretty much went wrong. Missouri is a defensive, not a good defensive team. Yeah, they get the turnovers, but turnovers and steals are not like really good defense. They can't rebound. Oh, guess what? Princeton out rebounded Missouri, and so they out rebounded them by eleven. But the biggest problem was the offensive rebound, sixteen to eight, folks. They got. 16 offensive rebounds to Princeton. So they did what they could and got what they needed done with this because of the way they played. Princeton played a phenomenal game. My hat's off to you. Sure, there was a couple things that maybe I thought the Tigers could have done differently, but you know what? I'm still happy with how the season turned out for the Missouri Tigers because I'll be honest, I didn't see them getting to the tournament in the first year of Dennis Gates. And so now... Uh, Noah Carter comes back. Nick Honor can come back. Sean East can come back. Aiden Shaw will be 
uh, one year stronger. Ronnie DeGrave will be back. He's been injured all season. You're bringing in uh, transfers, and you're going to also get in some recruits. So this team, and if Kobe Brown comes back, that that's even better because then you're getting a first-team all-SEC player back who could have probably won SEC player of the year. That's the thing. That's going to be the key. If Kobe Brown comes back and you get some of these recruits and transfers, that's going to be huge. It'll it, It's going to take time to figure out what he's going to do. I Obviously, I think he's going to test the waters because you can do that with college basketball. You can test the waters, go to the combine, check it out, and then you can decide to withdraw. We'll see what he does. I think if he is told by NBA uh, owners, NBA scouts, hey, you're like borderline second round uh second round pick maybe uh late first you have to go kobe you have to go to the draft because that's the highest you're going to get i don't think you can get any higher i think you have to go and then you come you you go to the draft and we'll find something to do with the offense on missouri but if they say hey you're maybe third round maybe be a free agent then you might see him come back and try to get better because he excelled this season under Dennis Gates, and we'll see what he does. Now we move on to the East, folks. The East. Oh, boy. The East, honestly, is like a, I don't know what you want to call it. It's like a wheel of cheese. It keeps turning and turning and spinning, and it makes my brain go crazy. Let's start off with the the, the, cra- the, the craziness, okay? FDU, folks. FDU pulls off the, I don't care what people say, the greatest upset in NCAA tournament history. I, yeah, I said it. I don't care about UMBC beating Virginia. This one right here, folks, was pretty much a 17 seed. FDU had to play in the first four to even get to this game. Oh, wait, you want more? They weren't even the auto, automatic qualifier for their conference. That was because Merrimack couldn't get in because they're not qualified to make the tournament. So, yeah, this team didn't even win their conference tournament. They got second. Gets to the tournament, has to play in the first four. They win that. Okay, you move on. Now you get to play Zach Eady and Purdue. Oh, oh, and you're the shortest team. Your average height on team is 6'1". Oh, that's not good, is it? No. You come out there and you really just put it on Purdue. I mean, I know the score was 63-58, but if I have any Purdue fans out here, can can uh, you tell me, did you ever feel like, oh, this is where Purdue's going to take over? I never... Never, never watching that game did I ever feel scared for FDU. There was a time where Purdue got got the lead, and I was like, oh, okay, Purdue's got the lead. Purdue got the lead. Their highest lead, largest lead, was six points. And FDU just came back and took it away. I did say this, though. I did, did say this, folks, on my last episode podcast. I said FDU is going to give Purdue some problems. I didn't say they were going to win. I did say FDU is going to give them problems because of the pressure FDU pressures full court press and guess what it worked it worked I don't know why Purdue was not attacking they were taking their sweet time and lollygagging and guess what it bite them in the butt now I don't get why they didn't get the ball to Zach Eady as much Zach Eady is a dominant force and when you're going up against the smallest team in college basketball D1 how do you not get it to your big man that's what I didn't understand now he still finished with 21 points, folks. Zekidi still finished with 21 points. He had 15 rebounds. But the problem is, guess what? They went 5 of 26 from deep. Gillis went 1 of 7. Lawyer went 3 of 8. Smith went 1 of 6. They did not shoot the ball well. They went 19 of 53 from the field. 
FDU, 7 of 23 from deep. So they hit two more threes. And then they hit five more field goals. They were 24 of 62. They shot the ball 62 times. FDU did. FDU. Fairleigh Dickinson, folks. University. The Knights. They don't even have their own band. I want you to know that. I want you to know they don't even have their own band. I hope they get their own band now because they deserve it. So, yeah, that was the biggest upset of uh, the first weekend for sure. Then you move on to Memphis versus FAU, which um, at the very end of the game looked like a rugby match because everyone was on the court trying to get the ball. FAU wins 66-65 over Memphis with a game-winning shot. I mean, it was beautiful. This this was a beautiful 8-9 matchup right there, and that's why you see it. Nicholas Boyd with the game-winning layup shot for FAU as they hit it with 2.5 seconds, and then Memphis couldn't even get up, get up a shot. FAU uh, wins. They got they got more wins under them. It's 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 crazy how they work. And then they got to meet FDU in the second round, and we'll talk about that later. But Memphis, Memphis, man, I really thought Memphis was going to win. I thought they were riding high. They just won the American, and they couldn't figure it out on the offensive side real well. It was it was kind of the FAU kind of way. They never went away. That's the thing. They just never went away. They played their style. They never got out of it, no matter how big the lead was, which was seven for Memphis. They had a 10-point lead at one point, and they just, both teams kept battling. It was a really good 8-9 matchup. And it was, both of them really, honestly, kind of shot the ball pretty well from deep. 28% for FAU, 27 for Memphis. So, I mean, they shot the ball well. And so, you've got to find ways to, I would say, limit the opportunities when it happens. And when you don't, Shut down the baseline is the problem here because on it was an under the basket inbound FAU did when they were down they were down 65-64 it was an under the basket inbound and the defender for Memphis instead of giving him the uh, the lower part of the the basket on the baseline for the pass he gives him the wide open area so he goes around and then he gets all the momentum to go to the basket and he gets the basket to go you want to block off his way to go back out you want to make him go towards the baseline instead he makes him go around and that's more momentum for FAU and that's why the shot was more easier if you cut off the outside and force him to the baseline it's going to be a much harder shot instead you don't have that happen Duke I, I, I thought Duke was going to win this game, and they did, and they made Oral Roberts look silly. Uh, Duke wins 74-51, I mean a 23-point win. You don't see that much out of a 5-12 matchup. And then another game that I thought could be an upset was uh, Louisiana over Tennessee. Well, it didn't happen. Tennessee does win 58-55. It was, it, was, it was a weird game, weird, weird, weird game. Louisiana just, I never felt comfortable watching that game with Louisiana. Kentucky beat the 11 seed Providence, 61-53. Kentucky did what Kentucky should do, and they did well. Kansas State beat Montana State by 12, 77-65. That backcourt for K-State is phenomenal. I mean, Noel is so good. Noel and Johnson, beautifulness. Michigan State beats the 10 seed USC, 72-62. Michigan State, Tom Izzo, man, it's, it's January, February, Izzo, April. Just saying, it's Izzo. <laughs> no March, it's Izzo month. Marquette beat Vermont 78-61. Vermont was in this game, honestly, actually. They played well, and then in the second half, they kind of let up, and they just couldn't find a way in. So, yeah, Marquette pulled away late in the second half, but Vermont was playing close with them through the second half. Moving on to the second weekend, 
FAU beats FDU 7870, but I mean fairly Dickinson, man. That game was phenomenal. It was 7870, but really it was more of a like a five-point game. They played it throughout very close, and it was just very good. The thing that I saw mostly different in this game than for FDU than in the first game was they were missing easy layups. I mean, there was a chance there was so many easy layups they just missed, and I don't know what happened and why they missed them, but they just they just missed the easy layups. So you can't miss those if you're trying to still pull off some more upsets. So FAU moves on to the Sweet 16, their first Sweet 16 ever in school history. Tennessee beat Duke, and wow, oh wow, was this shocking to me. I thought Duke was going to pull away from this one, and I thought I, I, if I was a betting man, I would have put my money on Duke, but guess what? Tennessee came and played their style, physicality, and they brought it to Duke, and Duke didn't have an answer. Duke loses by 13, 65-52, and it was just Tennessee's physicality that really set Duke down and set them in a chair, and they couldn't do anything. K-State versus Kentucky. K-State pulls this one out. Actually, it was it was funny. Kentucky was favored in this game. K-State wins. I mean, Marquise Noel, just absolute beauty. Beautiful man, small man. He can play the game. I mean, he played every single minute of this game. He played all 40 minutes, had 27 points, 3 of 8 threes, 7 of 14 shooting, and then don't 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 sleep on Keontae Johnson. Keontae Johnson can also play for him. That's why their backcourt is so good. And if you if you really think you can stop one of them, that's fine, but you can't stop both. Johnson had 13, but Noel had the 7, or 27, excuse me. And so Johnson didn't have a really good game shooting, period. He was 5 of 14 from the field, 1 of 4 from deep, had 4 rebounds, but I mean... They're going to have to figure a way to rebound here because Oscar Sheboy, who 18 rebounds, 25 points, and it doesn't get easier really with uh, Michigan State because that's who they'll face in the Sweet 16 just because Michigan State does have a pretty good uh, lineup and they can play with their centers, they can play with their uh, uh, shorts. So it's it's going to be an interesting kind of game here because I want to, I, I can't wait to see how they play the game Michigan State can also hit the threes, unlike what Kentucky can. Kentucky's so hit or miss. And as you can tell, Michigan State did beat, because I already mentioned it, Michigan State beat Marquette 69-60, which was a shocker. Now, I knew Marquette was the most vulnerable two-seed. Well, I guess Arizona was because they lost in the first game. But Marquette was, going into this tournament, I believed the most uh, vulnerable one. And guess what? It, it showed in this one because Tom Izzo, Masterclass, man. Masterclass. It's just so fascinating what Tom Izzo can do and how he does it. He's reached, Tom Izzo has reached his 15th regional semifinal and he's won his record 16th March Madness game when he's the lower seeded team. So think about that. When he is the lower seed, so if he's the five, he beats the four. That's what it's saying. So it, it, it's crazy how he can do what he does. He just gets his team together and rallies them and plays well. Now let's move on to the Midwest. The Midwest is the games that will be in Kansas City, actually. So that that's fascinating, right? We get to see some Kansas City. And honestly, you're getting a, you're getting new teams, which is nice to see in Kansas City. Houston pulled, pulls away from Northern Kentucky, only beating them by 11. So Northern Kentucky played a pretty good game against Houston, but they also had some injuries in that game. But Houston stays and wins by 11. Auburn beats Iowa 83-75. So Auburn will face Houston. Miami defeated Drake 63-56. I know we haven't got to the other 5-12 game, but I want to let you know this. It was the first time in seven seven years that all five 
Five, all four five seeds won, and a 12 seed didn't. So there's that. Indiana beat Kent State 71-60. Pittsburgh, coming off their win over Mississippi State in the first four, pulls off a dominating win over the six-seed Iowa State Cyclones. And so it was 59-41. And they went on a tear, Pitts, Pittsburgh did, to start that game, folks. They went on a ballistic tear, folks. They were up by 22 points before Iowa State scored. It was, uh, no, excuse me. It was it was 19-0 that Iowa State scored, but the Pittsburgh got up by 22 at one point. I mean, it was insane. This next game, though, Kinsale State versus Xavier. The 14 seed versus the 3 seed was a phenomenal game, folks. Kinsale uh, uh, State played a great game. They played very well, and it showed how resilient they are because they played they played a tough game. I mean, it was it was such a good game by Kinsaw State. And I mean at one point they were up by thirteen folks. They were up by thirteen on Xavier. They just couldn't keep it going and pull away. And if they want to look at one thing, it might be their free throws. They were eight of thirteen, five of nineteen from deep. But I mean they out rebounded Xavier they didn't have that many more turnover. They had one more turnover. So I mean, they played a really good game. It just it, it felt like they ran out of steam at the very end. This next game, I feel so bad for Texas A&M. We talked about Texas A&M being underseeded, and not only were they underseeded, they got the probably the worst matchup they could in Penn State. And I said Penn State was going to win, and ho ho ho, Penn State came out firing, folks. Penn State meant business. And when I mean they meant business, they meant business. And you know who really meant business? Andrew Funk. Yeah, his last name's Funk. This man went crazy. Andrew Funk was 8 of 11 from the field, 8 of 10 from deep. He had 27 points. They shot the ball 13 of 22. Almost a 60% clip from deep did Penn State do that. 13 of 22. Then you look at Texas A&M. They went 10 of 34, 29, 30% pretty much. So they shot the ball two times better from deep, Penn State did, than Texas A&M. Penn State wins 76-59 this game. It was so, so bad because it was just a bad matchup. It was it was not good. It was, it was weird. I just feel bad for Texas A&M, and they did not get the right draw for this game. Penn State shot the ball 48% from the field. Texas A&M, 34%. Like we said, they just, there was nothing there. I mean, at one point, guys, Penn State was up by 26 points. I don't even know how Texas A&M had a lead at one point. They they had a lead. Uh, their biggest lead was four, but I don't know how Texas A&M had a lead. Andrew Funk went crazy. Texas beats Colgate. And the thing about this game was is Colgate's really known for their threes. They could not shoot the threes at all. They went 3 of 15, a 20%. So most of the teams that could shoot the three didn't shoot the three very well in their first game, and that's why they lost. Moving on to the second round in the Midwest, Houston beats Auburn. Auburn had this game, folks. Auburn had this game. They were up by 10 at half, and then Houston was like, you know what? Oh, we got to play. It was 41-31 at half. Houston then outscored Auburn 50-23 to in the second half, winning by almost 20. They won by 17, 81, 64. What a win by Houston. I mean, the comeback. And it was like a home game for Auburn. We talked about this. Auburn almost had a home game because it was in Birmingham, Alabama. But a great win by Houston to come back from 10 and win. And they did it in dominating fashion. They move on to the Sweet 16 where they will face 
Miami because Miami beats Indiana 85-69. And I think about Indiana, what happened? You let my you let the guy down, man. You let Trace Jackson Davis down so bad. He he had such a phenomenal career at Indiana, but they could never get over the hump. Isaiah Wong, man, 27 points, 9 of 7, 9 of 17 from the field, had a great game. And Trace Jackson Davis, 23 points, 7 of 10 shooting. So it was it was Miami really controlled this game throughout the whole game. There was at one point where Indiana got the lead in the second half. But I mean Miami largest lead was 16. They just shot the bell ball really well. They shot 9 to 23 from deep and 48% from the field. So I mean Miami just played well. They out rebounded Indiana by 17, had 20 offensive rebounds to Indiana's 12. So that that's the problem. I mean Here's the craziest stat. You ready for this crazy stat, folks? Miami had more offensive rebounds than Indiana had on defensive rebounds. Make that make sense. Miami had 20 offensive rebounds to Indiana's 19 defensive rebounds. Wow, folks. That's fascinating. Moving on, Pittsburgh with Xavier. Xavier wins 84-73. And this, this game right here was about... It was a crazy game, but this game had to start with Kunkel. Kunkel man started that game on fire from deep, shooting the ball lights out. He started the game 5 of 5 from deep. He was 5 of 5 from three-point range, was insane lights out. He finished the game 5 of 8 from deep, 5 of 11 shooting. All his points were from three-point range in the first half. He scored 15. And Pittsburgh came back a little bit, closed, closed the gap a little bit because it seems like Xavier took their foot off the gas. But... In this sense, Xavier holds on to win, and now they face Texas because Texas pulls off the Penn State win because, unlike their first game, Andrew Funk could not shoot the three. He was 2 of 10. <laughs> so he couldn't shoot the three this game, but he could shoot it in the first. I'm telling you, this game, this tournament is a love-hate relationship. One bad game and you're done. Ask Andrew Funk. <laughs> um, Texas wins 71-66. And Penn State still had a chance to win this game, even with their bad shooting. They went 8 of 28 from deep. I mean, Texas couldn't help themselves either. They went 1 of 13. That's a 7% clip. But when you shoot the ball 50% from the field going 31 of 61, that's pretty nice. Penn State shot at 41%, 25 of 60. And then the rebounding, I mean, whoo, rebounding was insane. 33 to 37, Texas wins that. And it was, it was a phenomenal game. And I think the biggest thing was is Penn State turned the ball over five more times than Texas did, and that's where it lies. Plus, it was just like Texas could not miss. I mean, when you have a player that averages five points a game and he comes in and scores 28 points, 14 of 20 from the field, that's insane. Dylan DeSeuss, man, comes out of nowhere and says, I'll be the hero that no one thought I could be for Texas and scores 28 points for the Longhorns. They move on. So the Sweet 16 is set for the Midwest, you got Houston versus Miami, the one versus five, and the three versus two, Xavier versus Texas. The last region is the West, the Kansas region, folks. Kansas handles Howard 96-68. Bill Self did not coach in this tournament, uh, has, uh, did not coach because of health issues. Kansas would face Arkansas because Arkansas beat Illinois 73-63. What a game. Arkansas just played well. And then the other five versus 12 was St. Mary's versus VCU. St. Mary's really controlled that game. VCU could not get going. UConn over Iona. 
Uh, UConn knocked Iona and not only out, but knocked their head coach out too because he's gone now. Rick Pitino left. He's off to St. John's. So Iona then goes out to hire a new head coach. And wouldn't you be told, me and my boy Blake Velasic called this one. I mean, it, it wasn't hard to see coming, folks. I mean, that's, wh that's what happens when you beat a one seed. Tobin Anderson from FDU was hired by Iona to be their next head coach. So that didn't take long for him to find a new job. I mean, he was only at, listen to this, folks. He was only at FDU for 10 months. He was hired from Division uh, 3, no, excuse me, Division 2, goes to Division 1, only there 10 months at one college, and now he's got a five-year deal at Iona. Crazy. TCU beats Arizona State in a crazy game. TCU wins 72-70. They hit a nice game-winning shot. I mean, those ga the games on Friday were way closer and more down to the wire but the upsets, like some big upsets, uh, were in the middle of the day for both days. So that that's where it is. I mean, when you hit the game-winning shot with 1.5 seconds, it was it was beautiful. Uh, it was Jacoby Coles hitting the shot with 1.5 seconds. What a shot for my man, Jacoby Coles. He's not my man. I don't really know him, but I just wanted to say my man. Um, but Coles came off the bench, scored 11 points, was 5 of 10, and had 25 minutes off the bench. So nice Work for the sixth man for TCU. Gonzaga handled Grand Canyon, 82-70. And then Northwestern beats Boise State, 75-67. So congrats to Northwestern on winning their first ever March Madness game. They got to face UCLA, who beat UNC Asheville, 86-53. UCLA's defense played very well and has played well throughout the tournament. Then came the second-round games, Kansas defeat. The lost, excuse me. Sorry, sorry. Arkansas defeats Kansas 72-71. Once again, Bill Self was not there. And if I'm taller, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not even a Kansas fan. But if you ask me, Bill Self is worth one point. He's worth two points. So as much as I want to say, oh well, Kansas got beat. They also they have a legitimate excuse. Bill Self was not there. I'm not gonna let that slide. But still. They should have won. Uh, Jalen Wilson had 20 points, 5 of 9, 9 of 11. And now you got to wonder, who's going to come back for Kansas? Who's going to be their shooter? You had Wilson this year, but who's is it going to be Harris maybe next year? McCullers is gone. You would think Grady Dick will go into the NBA draft. We'll see what he does. K.J. Adams will be back. Harris will be back, like I said. You'll also have Uday back. You'll have uh, Yesafu back. But like, who who's going to be your ball handler shooter if you're the Jayhawks? Let me know. UConn beat St. Mary's 70-55. That game was never really close. This game, though, TCU versus Gonzaga was really close. Gonzaga wins 84-81. It was actually 84-80 or 78, but uh, <laughs> one of the uh, TCU players decided to do a half-court heave at the buzzer, and I'm sorry for any of my Gonzaga people out there that had the line at 4 Three and a half. Oof, that is tough, tough, tough. Because that lost you a lot of money. I'm not going to lie. That loses you a lot of money. But don't be mad at him for shooting the ball. I mean, that's what you got to do. You shoot the ball. You don't stop because of that. It was Daniel Bow who shot the ball. He makes it. I, he was a senior. I'm sorry. Like he said on Twitter, I don't stop until the buzzer goes off. He shot it before the buzzer goes off, and it counts. So there you go. UCLA handled Northwestern. So now the Sweet 16 is set, folks. You have Alabama versus San Diego State, Crane versus Prane, Creighton versus Princeton, not Prayton. So Crane versus Prane, one versus five, six versus fifteen. 
Then in the East, like I said, it's it's a it's a wheel of cheese. You have the nine seed FAU versus four seed Tennessee, the three seed Kansas State versus seven seed Michigan State. In the Midwest, Houston, the number one seed versus the five seed Miami. Xavier, the three seed versus two Texas. And then in the West, the eight seeded Arkansas, Razorbacks versus number four Yukon Huskies, and Gonzaga, the three seed versus the number two UCLA. If I had to go with it right now, give me Alabama, Creighton. FAU Tennessee is going to be intriguing. I'm leaning Tennessee because of the physicality, so give me Tennessee. Give me Kansas State, Houston, Texas, Yukon, and Gonzaga. I like UConn a lot, so I'm taking UConn. All right, all right. I don't, I don't care what people are saying. I like UConn a lot. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk WBC World Baseball Classic. It's been phenomenal. You're listening to Just Talking Sports right here on UCM The Beat. Know someone who's being bullied online? Send the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more about the witness emoji at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. And welcome back to Just Talking Sports. I'm your host still, JT Noah. And like I said, we're talking World Baseball Classic. And if you don't know what the World Baseball Classic is, you're missing out. World Baseball Classic is a phenomenal event that is being taking place right now. It actually ends tonight, sadly. It's been a phenomenal. It's about the countries playing each other in baseball. And so you'll see like Royals players on Italy's team, on Venezuela as well, some on USA. But I mean, you're seeing teams with your play, you're seeing your favorite team with players on different countries, and you get to learn more about where they came from and their heritage. Uh, tonight is the championship game. It's the United States, USA versus Japan. But let's talk about how it got here. Let's start with the semifinal game that happened on Sunday. That would be the United States that defeated Cuba 14-2. to So it was not a very intriguing close game like we'll get into in a minute. But Cuba started off the game 1-0. And then uh, the United States decided to score a bunch of runs. They decided to score... Seven unanswered runs to go up 7-1 before they finally, the Cuba finally scored their second run, and then they decided to score seven more unanswered runs, the United States did, to win 14-2. And you're asking yourself, okay, well, who's on, uh, like who's on the uh, United States and who's on the Cuba that we might know? Well, on Cuba, there's there's some players. You, you got Yo, uh, you got Makata. You've got also uh, Luis Robert. So those two players right there are from... The White Sox. You also have uh, Abanez, who also was played before, played with the the Royals at one time, and so there's all of those those. But the most intriguing ones are going to be your pitchers. Now, obviously, on the United States, you have Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, 
uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Bobby Witt Jr. for Royals fans, Kyle Schwarber, Will Smith, um, Pete Alonzo, Tim Anderson, Jeff McNeil, Trey Turner, Adam Wainwright's pitching, Mike McOlos, and Aaron Lope. Uh, so those guys are out there, but you mean you, you've got you've got so many players that you can think of that will play out there. And then when we get to the Japan side, obviously the big name for Japan is Shohei Otani. And when we talk this game, folks, last night's game was so good, so good, folks. Mexico versus Japan in the semifinals. Winner goes on to play the United States tonight. Obviously, I've already told you it's Japan, but this game was phenomenal when I say that. Craziest thing is is uh, Randy Rosarina for the Rays is actually on the Mexican team. So there's that for you. That's crazy. But this game was uh, fascinating at points, at all points, I should say. Mexico went up 3 nothing early in the fourth. Then uh, the Japanese decided to tie it up 3-3 in the bottom of the seventh. Then you had Mexico with Verdugo giving them the lead 4-3. Uh, Parades singles, and then they give up. Uh, they get up 5-3. And that's in the top of the eighth, folks. Then in the bottom of the eighth, um, I I am so sorry. I do not know how to pronounce that name. Yamakakawa uh, hits a sack fly, and then you have. Marakami, holy crap, Marakami hits a double, scoring Shoto and Otani to give the walk-off win to Japan. And if you have not heard the Japan television, go listen to it, folks. Find it on Twitter, find it on the internet. That was the most exciting thing that I don't understand what they're saying, but it was the most exciting thing I've ever heard. That was so fun to listen to. Also, for all you Cardinals fans, uh, Newbar is on... uh, the Japanese, the Japan side. So there's some things out there that you learn. And you're like, whoa, dude, I did not see that coming. Like they're on that team. Crazy, right? Yeah. But obviously the big names for Japan is obviously Shohei Otani. And he's not actually starting tonight, which was shocking. I was surprised by that. So that is not going to happen. And as I'm speaking, they're supposed to be starting, but it's not started because it's delayed. So if you haven't, Turned on FS1. Let's watch the game. It's going to be fun. The home team is the Jap- uh, Japan. So there's that for you. They will bat last. It'll be interesting. The lineup goes for the USA. Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, JT Ralmuto, uh, Chris Mullins, and then Tim Anderson with Kelly pitching for the United States. And then uh, on Japan side, like I said, Shohei Otani is hitting in the three spot. He's DHing. And then you have uh, Newt Barr in center field. Um, you have Kondo in right field. Yoshinda in left. Marakami in thir- at third base. O- Okamoto at first. Yamada at second. Uh, Ginda at short. And Nakamura behind the plate catching for the Japanese. It'll be an intriguing game. Like I said, it is in a rain delay. They're playing at Lone Depot Park in Miami, Florida. So, yeah, you can always see why there's a delay. Hey, but I'm telling you, turn on the game tonight. It's going to be a fascinating game. There's a lot of stories that can be told about this game. It'll be interesting to see how it goes down. And I know there's been a lot of talk about, oh, it's bad for the game because of what happened with Edwin Diaz. But listen, 
I think it's such a cool event. I don't want people to think just because of Edwin Diaz suffering a literally a, a like a, a wild weird energy celebrating with the with his friends from Puerto Rico that they should just never have the WBC again. The WBC is so cool. You get to see players that you never th- uh, thought you would see. You get to uh, watch other players play. I used uh, over the summer last year. I did work with the Kansas City Monarchs, which is a independent baseball team. And guess what? There's some players in that independent independent baseball league that are actually playing for their countries, because that's how good, or that's not. I mean, that, that's how good they are. But that's how little we get to see from the other countries. So, I mean, you just get to see other faces you never see, and you get to see the style of play, how it changes. And I think it's a fascinating thing to watch and listen to. I have caught a little bit of it, not much of it, but I'm for sure going to watch a little bit of it tonight. I've been really stuck on college basketball, folks. I am a, ask my girlfriend, she thinks I watch too much college basketball. I'm sorry, there were 16 games, and 16 games, there was 32 games in two days, and I watched pretty much 98% of those games. So, sorry, Haley, I had to watch them. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA. We haven't we haven't grasped much of the NBA. We're going to grasp a little bit more of the NBA when we come back. You're listening to Just Talking Sports with your boy, JT Noah. <laughs> juice, Mom. Juice, juice, juice. Mommy, why are we going to the store? Mom, Mom I want Mommy. juice. Mom. Juice, juice, juice. Mom. Your child will have different needs at different stages of life, and that includes the car seat. See, car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Yo, 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 welcome back to Just Talking Sports. JT Noah's still here to annoy everyone out there, including my girlfriend. Um, All right, let's move on to the NBA. We're going to look at the standings, man. The standings, it's coming down to the crunch time, man. It's, it's, it's getting tight. It's getting close. Milwaukee and Boston have already clinched a playoff spot. Milwaukee is the one seed two and a half games above Boston. But, man, when you get to the bottom of both conferences, it gets tight. That 10 seed is right on the line. Let's get through it. Like I said, I, I said Chicago could get in, and I saw Washington full, uh, falling out. They have fell out, and now Chicago is at the 10 spot. They're two games up on Washington right now. Toronto is only a half game above Chicago, so they're they're fighting right there. Remember, 7, 8, 9, 10 play in the play-in tournament, so if you're 1 through 6, you're safe. 7 through 10, you're fighting for your life in the playing game. Right now, it would be Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, and Chicago, 7-10 through 10 in the East. Like I said, Milwaukee and Boston have clinched a playoff spot because uh, of their record. I mean, 51-20 and 49-23 and is great. And Philadelphia is right behind them. They'll probably clinch soon. You have It goes 1, Milwaukee, 2, Boston, 3, Philadelphia, 4, Cleveland, 5, New York, Knicks, 6, Brooklyn. Which I'm very uh, I'm I'm very pleased and surprised by the Brook Brooklyn Nets being still very good without Kyrie or Kevin Durant. So they have played well. Eliminated so far in the East has been the Charlotte Hornets and the Detroit Pistons. Remember the Pi- I'm so surprised by the Pistons, man. I think they're gonna find their groove sooner or later. Moving on to the West, the only team that has clinched 
is the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they've clinched at a 48-24 and 24 record. They are three and a half games up on Memphis. Memphis is in second. And the surprising team still to this day for me is the Sacramento Kings. I thought they would be good. I thought they would get into the play-in game, not be the three seed right now. The four seed is the Phoenix Suns. The five seed is the L.A. Clippers. Six is Golden State Warriors. Seven is Dallas Mavericks. Eight is the Minnesota Timberwolf. Nine is the OKC Thunder. And ten is the Utah Jazz. So, and right on the crap, the grisp of it is the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers are only a half game back of Utah. The, the Pelicans are a game back. And Portland has decided to fall off and fall four games back from Utah. Utah is finding its way up. I mean, Minnesota, OKC, and Utah are all literally tied in a sense. They're tied. One is Minnesota is 36 and 37. OKC is 35 and 36. Utah is 35 and 36. And then there's the Lakers. They're 35 and 37. And they just, I mean, they, they pulled out a gutsy win the other night. So that is that is crucial to pull out gutsy wins. You have to do that. And that's what they did. So props off to them for pulling out that gutsy win. Austin Reeves decided to show up and play well. We'll see what he wants. But if I had to put my money on it, I'm telling you, I thought Washington was going to fall out. I thought Chicago was going to get in in the East. And I think that's going to happen. But don't be surprised if Toronto uh, pulls ahead of the, uh, the Atlanta Hawks. And so the Atlanta falls to the uh, 9. Toronto gets the 8. And I think Chicago's going to get the 10. I don't see anyone really taking them over. They're two games above Washington, two and a half above Indiana. I just don't see that happening. And then in the West, this is where the West is crazy. I mean, it's so hard to pick because the Lakers are just a half game back from three teams, Minnesota, OKC, and Utah. If I had to put my money on it, I think OKC is going to fall out. They're young. If they get in, it's it's a huge, huge thing. But they've got to find a way to win they got to keep winning because, like I said, the Lakers are right on them. And Portland is pretty much season over because they've lost six straight. That's not good. And the two teams eliminated from the West are the San Antonio Spurs and Houston Rockets. San Antonio Spurs are really just trying to lose games, man. They're trying to get below the Houston Rockets. But the problem right now is Detroit is looking great. Detroit is 16-56. and 56. They're trying to get that first. They're trying to get as many as they can. They want to get that one. One pick. They went the one overall pick. They, You get the first overall pick you have a lot to do with. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes out. But right now, they are the ones leading for as many picks as you go. Because of the lottery, if you don't understand the lottery, it's it's kind of like, um, I wouldn't say like bingo, but it is kind of like bingo in a sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, you get, if you're first place, you get so many balls put in the machine and so on and so on. Like if you're two, you get less than the one, three, you get less than obviously, but it goes down the line. So if you're the first overall, if you're the worst team, you get the most balls in the little machine and you know how you spin it like a wheel. Have you ever played old bingo folks? You know what I'm talking about? Like the wire thing and you just spin and the balls go around and around. Yeah. Well, whatever ball comes out for that pick, that's who gets to pick. And you want the, obviously the first overall pick. And that's why it's so weird how the NBA does it. Cause you're not guaranteed the first overall pick, even if you're the worst team. So I mean, your chances are way better than, say, the fourth, but still, you're you're not guaranteed it. And if you just try to try to tank and you don't get it, that 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 that's tough, folks. That is very very tough. Here's here here's an interesting thing I will talk about though. 
If Minnesota can stay in the play-in tournament, they could be a force to be reckoned with. The thing about it is, is you've got to remember the Wolves. Wolves don't have; they haven't had Carl Anthony Towns, and they still don't have Anthony Edwards. So, if they can get those two healthy and get into the playing game, they could be the team that gets through it just because and gets to play in the playoffs just because of their team. They have had some injury, non-luck you could say, and you want to have some fun. But that that that's the thing right there, folks. You can't get injured. And when we're talking like that, that's the thing that's crazy about this, man. Sacramento, man. 43 and 28. Who saw that coming? If you say you saw that coming, I don't want to I don't want to be your friend because you're a liar. There's no way you saw that coming, okay? I'm just throwing it out there. The other thing is is Golden State's going to have to find a way to win on the road. Can we figure a way for them to win a game on the road? They're 8 and 29 on the season on the road, folks. That is not good. Not good at all. 8 and 29. There is not a single team that is worse than that on the road. Except one team that's eliminated. Two teams that are eliminated in the West. San Antonio is 6-27. and 27, Houston is 6-28. and 28. Other than that, Golden State is 8-29. and 8-29 on the road. So they better believe they get the, uh, they get the home, home court advantage because if they don't, they will not be winning many games. So that is fascinating to me. The other thing is, is okay, I saw this question and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, I'm going to ask you it a different way. Who is I wouldn't I don't want to say it's like the worst, but who do you think is the best non-best player? Like I, I don't know how to say this. It's like this. It's like this, okay. Who do you think can take a 16 seed and win the national championship in March Madness? That's not a superstar. That's a better way of putting it. So out of don't don't count the superstars, okay? Who could take a 16 seed to win the NCAA tournament? Because I was thinking about this. The question that I saw on Twitter was, can Giannis take a 16 seed and win the tournament? And I I truly believe he could. What I want to know is like, who's the worst player that you think you could take to get to the NCAA national championship on a 16 seed? And when you're thinking about it, it's kind of funny, like. Because it's it's kind of weird. Who do you think is like quote unquote the worst? But obviously, let's eliminate uh, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Giannis, um, Jason Tatum. I mean, I I think you do. You think you could do it with Jalen Brown? I mean, Jalen Brown. Uh, it would be tough. What about Terry Rozier? I don't think he has enough defense. Ooh, what about um? You could go with even some of De'Aaron Fox. Is he a superstar to you? Buddy Heald I wouldn't take. Uh, you could also try to figure it out right there. That's like that's, that's the thing. You want to figure it out with what is happening, but it's just like, who is it? Who do you take? Can you take Donovan Mitchell's a superstar? Do you think Lonzo, a healthy Lonzo could get you a, a national championship? That's It's like... John Moran's a superstar. You don't want that. Dylan, uh, Devin Booker, CP3, Paul George, all those guys. Obviously, Luca's a superstar. Kyrie is a superstar. But if I'm thinking about a team, you want to go with a team like that's under underrated, right? Under the radar. Shea uh, Gillis-Alexander, a superstar in a sense. 
I, I mean, you're you're thinking about this. You could you could maybe even go with uh, Josh Giddy. Mm, I don't think Josh Giddy could do it. I don't think Josh Giddy could take a team to the national championship on a 16 seed. But then if you think about this, this is the one where you think about it. And here's where you think about it. Maybe you go big man that can stretch. You want a big that can stretch. You think about it. Think about if you could take a big that can stretch because then he can play defense and he can shoot. That's where it gets interesting. So I want you to think about that. Tell me who you think would be like, quote unquote, the worst player you think that could take a 16 seed all the way to a national championship. Because it's an interesting topic. Also, who do you think is the going to win the NBA championship? I think it, I think it's a fascinating story because I think the West is going to be more competitive bottom half, but will the bottom half find a way to win some games? Because if you think about it, Golden State could fall into the playing games. They're not they're not set. They're only a, a half game above Dallas, and they're only a game above Minnesota, OKC, and Utah. Like I said, these these. These teams are so close, folks. So close. If you want to talk about it, if you take Golden State, the sixth seed, they are only a half game above the seven seed Dallas Mavericks. They're a game above the eight, nine, ten, and a game and a half above the Lakers. So the six through ten is going to be very interesting to see what plans out. Golden State in the playing game, playing tournament would be a fascinating watch, I would say. I would say that would be fascinating to watch. I don't think New Orleans can get in. They've had some really tough, bad losses of late. And you just can't have that when you're trying to get into the tournament, the playing game and get into the playoffs. They're 4 of 6 in their last 10. That's tough. OKC is 7-3 and three in their last 10, folks. 7-3. and three. That's how you get a winning record and get into the... Not a winning record. What am I saying? That's how you get a really good record to move up in the standings and get into the playing game. Another team that's been played very hot of late is got to be the Miami Heat, 6 and 4 in their last 10. Chicago wins 3 in a row. They're 6 and 4 as well. So, those games, those teams have been playing well. I think I think it's interesting. East, the East is top heavy and they're the teams you would expect. Milwaukee, Boston, the 76ers. But then you get to the West, it's Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, and Phoenix. Those teams you kind of quite don't expect to see there, right? You don't. You just don't see. You don't think you're going to see that at the beginning of the season. So the East is kind of settled in like, where, okay, well, yeah, I, I expect that. The West, though, bro, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's real crazy. Um, Laker, The Lakers, they've got to find a way to get LeBron James back, and can they stay healthy? Then get moving on with that. The Clippers, they've just got to stay healthy. With Ka- uh, Kawhi and uh, Paul George, they they can do some damage. Kevin Durant's injured for the Phoenix Suns. That's a huge blow for them, and so that's why you're seeing them be five and five in their last ten. They've got to find a way to just make it work till he comes back, and hopefully he comes back. There's optimism he'll be back for the playoffs, but still, you never know. He tweaked his ankle on a a crazy, crazy just warming up, just rolled his ankle, and it's bugged him, and now he's been out for a while. So it's kind of crazy how it works like that. Just those stupid, stinking injuries always come back to bite you, and it sucks, man. I hate injuries, man. I wish it wasn't part of sports. It it just stinks a lot. But, hey, it's a fascinating. You got this weekend, got the Sweet 16, Elite 8. It's in Kansas City. Going to be a fun time. And then you obviously have the NBA coming down to the crunch time with the playoffs about to start. Playing tournaments going to be crazy. And then the WBC ends tonight. All right, guys. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Yeah, I know. 
I want you to know I love you for listening, and I want you to th- I want to thank you for listening. But I gotta go. I will talk to you later. This has been just talking sports with you, with your man JT Noah. All right, guys, peace.